So the whole idea of this series simply has been this, that you and I have to be careful who or what we allow to define our lives. So if it's the success of the world and they say you're you know, this, that, or the other, you get this recognition, that recognition, you own the best business in town, you live in the best house in the neighborhood, you've got all the money stacked away for the rest of your life, and everybody says, oh man, they're such a successful whatever, they've accomplished so much whatever, they've, you know, earned and achieved whatever, you've got to be careful that you don't let that be the major label that defines your life. Why? Because as great as all that can be on earth, all of that is a variable. What does that mean? It means Business conditions can change. The economy can be altered. Your ability to perform even can be changed. And in a heartbeat, all of what was amazing can go away. And on the same, you know, in the same vein, you might be on the other end of the spectrum and you're like, I haven't accomplished as much as everybody expected me to, or some of my dreams didn't turn into what I hoped they would be, or there are a lot more deficits in the equation than there are credits in the occasion in the story today, and for that reason, I'm labeled as someone who didn't do X or can't do X or failed at X, and you can't let that label you either. The only one who genuinely can label you and me is the one who created us, and every one of us has an origination. In other words, it wasn't just your mom and dad that decided that you were going to come to life on planet Earth. The scripture says God knitted you together inside your mother's womb. So thank you to all the moms for providing your womb, which was an amazing sacrifice as an incubator for the miraculous work of God to do what only God could do. But you're not here by happenstance. You're not here by accident. You're not here, you know, just incidentally. But everyone is in this room on purpose. You were woven together with a purpose. You were created for a purpose. You were made miraculously for a purpose on planet Earth. Every one of us was. And that God who wove us together, knitted us together, he gets to decide who we are and what we are. And if he hasn't had the final word in your self-identity and self-worth today, then you haven't heard the last word yet. Because nobody can label us other than and more powerfully than the one who formed us. And so for these few weeks together, we've been just asking, what does God say about us? And not us in general, but really, if I can say it, us specifically who have put our faith in Jesus. Because what we're talking about in this series is coming into a brand new relationship with God in Christ. And that's where all of the beauty of the new identity is. It's in that relationship with Jesus. We're not talking about, um, you know, some minor religious adjustment here. We're talking about a major redefining of our lives. So it doesn't matter, and, and I hope I can say this, it doesn't matter if you got dunked or if you got sprinkled or if you got you know, real baptized or if you got uh, confirmed or if you went through the whatever training or you got your certificate from whatever. That's really not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about identifying myself as, oh, well, I did whatever or my parents christened me or I got baptized here or there or the other and that's kind of my spiritual orientation. God has a lot more to say about us in our relationship with Christ than just some perfunctory religious label that we cling to to think that's who I am in God. 
And I'm not saying that baptism isn't essential. I'm not saying raising your kids up in faith isn't essential. Those things are massively essential. I'm just saying that God has said about you, if you're a person of faith, something far more extraordinary. And if you ask the average believer, you know, do you know who you are in Christ? I think the answer honestly is I really don't know. Especially if you watch the way we live and you watch how we live out what we perceive to be true about us in Christ. And so we're redefining in this, this series. It's revolutionary what we're talking about. It, it gets down to the heart of who you think you are and who I think I am. And then from that heart, it reorders everything about us. We've taken a big swing so far. We've said that in Christ we are chosen, and that is the label over our lives. So none of us in this place, by faith in Christ, will say, I'm abandoned or I'm rejected. No, all of us were chosen by God in Christ before the beginning of the world. And so we operate out of a chosen mentality. It doesn't make us cocky, it makes us humble, but it gives us an amazing confidence in life. We talked about how we're heirs, amen? So uh, we're not just paupers, thank you very much. Um, that whole idea that we're just beggars, you know, trying to help another beggar find some bread, you know, we're just looking for crumbs that fall from the communion table. That's not who we are. We have been made heirs of the promises of God and of the kingdom of God. We are sons and daughters of the king of the universe. We're heirs to all of God's kingdom, you and I are. So we live differently and we give differently when we know that we're billionaires in Christ. We said that we're holy. What a radical thought that was. That's God's label over you. We'll see it when we read the text in one second. That we're not just a bunch of sinners saved by grace. We were all sinners, but we were in fact saved by grace. And in that moment, our identity changed in Christ. And God gave us the gift of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are holy people. You're like, well, I'm not acting like it. Well, that might be because you don't know that's who you are. Because we typically act out of what we believe to be true about ourselves. And so we got to begin with some work in the mind to understand who God has made us to be. And then the last label we talked about was the fact that we're alive. And man, all of this, you know, is not possible if we're not alive in Christ. And this is the gospel. The gospel isn't that our new label is we're good people. We want to be good people. Of course we do. Or that we're church-going people or that we're some denominational people. Our label is that we are not dead spiritually in sin, but we are alive forever in Christ. And you know, you talk to people all the time about labels, and when it gets around to church or spirituality, whatever, they're like, oh, you know, our family, we're good Methodists, or we're good Episcopalians, or we're good, you know, Baptists, or we're our family, we're Catholics, or, you know, my granddaddy was a, you know, a, a, a whatever, covenant Bible ministry, fellowship, missionary, Baptist, hard shell <laughs> dude. And you're like, oh, fantastic. Well, what, what, what does that mean? Well, well, that's, you know, that's who we are. We're, we're, we go to Passion City Church. Do you, do you understand that, because let's talk about us and not talk about the other people because it doesn't matter. I grew up Baptist. I liked growing up Baptist, by the way. Can I just say that again? I liked growing up in the church I grew up in. It was one of the greatest experiences of my life growing up in that church. And now we're at Passion City Church. Uh, but you know what? The label of, well, we go to Passion City Church, what, well, that, that's not going to work. 
Because what God wants to do in us is deeper, bigger, more powerful than that. And the label that we need is I'm alive. You could be at Passion City Church and be spiritually dead. You could be at Baptist Church and be spiritually dead. You could be at the Episcopal Church and be spiritually dead. And then all you are is a dead Baptist. And then you get to heaven and you're like, yeah, but I was a Baptist, I know, but you're still spiritually dead and that's a problem. And by faith in Christ, when we connect to Jesus, we get a new label and it's called alive from the dead. We are now spiritually alive. And the good news about being spiritually alive is it's not based on our performance, it's based on our position and it doesn't end in death, it actually triumphs in death. And it leads us on into the presence of God, into the forever of God, into what we can only dream of right now or imagine. And today's word, I think it is gonna really energize everything we've seen before. We're getting these labels from Ephesians chapter one. We've been reading the whole chapter. I hope you're okay with that today. Um, But I'd like to read it with you again today. And I hope you'll follow along as we discover this last label that God is speaking over you and speaking over me today. I'll try to get through the whole chapter without preaching, um, so let's just read together. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us, there's a label, number one, chose us in Christ before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. There's another label, holy, right there. In love he The Father predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, that's in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In accordance with the riches of God's grace, that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head, even Christ. In him, in Christ, we also were Chosen, there it is again, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. In order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Key phrase right here, having believed. Having believed, this is how you get in on chosen, on air, on holy, on alive. This is how you get in on everything God is describing. Having believed, you were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance 
until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And what is he praying? I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray also, Paul said, writing to people who put faith in Jesus, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I pray that you will see spiritually is what he's praying for them and what God is praying for you today and what he's praying for me today, that your eyes, the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why? In order that you may know three things. Number one, the hope to which he has called you. Number two, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And number three, that you may know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him, Jesus, at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Jesus' feet and appointed Jesus to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of Jesus, who fills everything in every way. Thanks be to God for the power of his word. And you know, in life, if you listen to believers, if you hang around believers long enough, you, you'll, you'll find kind of two major undercurrents. There's the I can't undercurrent and I never will undercurrent and it's just hard undercurrent. And then you'll find in other people, there is the wow, there's something else. There's a, another opportunity for us and another option for us in the way that we live. And if you listen to us talk, you and me, we're not talking about the world right now. We're talking about people who say, I believe in God. I believe all those things we sang about today. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three in one. I believe all of that. And you listen to people, you'll hear these phrases woven through our lives. You'll hear people say, well, um, this this isn't going to change. This thing, probably just not gonna change. Just gotta deal with it, gotta live with it. It's gonna be a part of the fabric of who I am. You'll hear people say, well, I, I don't know how I can do that. I just don't think I can do that. I, I just don't think I can do that. And that's the end of the sentence. It's not like the preface to something else. It's just like, I, I don't know, I don't think I can do that. You hear people say, it's just the way I am. So this is me, just adjust because this is just me. This is the way that... I am. You hear people say it's always going to be this way. You hear people say you just have to accept some things in life. And this is just one of those things that's not going to change. 
And I have a hard time imagining God Almighty writing that over our lives. I think instead, I know instead, what God is writing over your life and what he's writing over my life is different than that because we are in Christ, amen? And in Christ, everything changed. And something powerful has happened to you and me. And God, the God who wove us together in our mother's womb and the God who raised us to life through Christ says to you and me today, you are able. You are able to be everything that I have made you to be. And you are able to do everything that I have dreamed for you to do. Your story isn't I can't. Your story is in Christ, I am able. I am able. And this is a shift of the mind. Everything about us begins in our thinking. Everything about us is a battle in our minds. And if in our minds we think, I can't do that, I'll never be able to do that, I don't know if I could ever do that, I can't see myself doing that, well, that's why we're in this series, because, hello, you and I can't trust our own opinions about ourselves. Therefore, we lean into God's word to say, you tell me who I am. You tell me what I can do. You tell me how I can live. If I have been linked to Jesus, inseparably joined to Jesus, then God, you define me, you describe me, you inspire me, and you tell me how to live. You can't trust your best friend to tell you who you are. You can't trust yourself. I can't trust myself to tell me who I am. We've got to let God's word saturate our minds and saturate our beings. And when it does, something begins to shift and it starts between our ears. It starts in our concept, our thinking, our perception of who we are. And all of a sudden we start to realize, you know what? It's going to be hard, but I can do that. It's going to be hard, but I'm able to do that. Why? Because I'm linked to almighty God. That's what Paul is saying. He says, I'm praying for you praying for you believers. I'm praying a couple of things for you. I'm praying that you'll have a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of God. What does that mean? It means I want you to fully understand God, wisdom, but I'm also praying for revelation. And what does that mean? It, it's, it means it's the difference between information, which I know all the facts, and revelation, which is my eyes have been opened to really see and perceive how all this fits in my life. And then he said, and I'm praying that the eyes of your heart will open up, that the eyes of your heart will open. And it's a process, it's not an instantaneous one stop, wow, I understand everything about God and everything about me in God. But he said, I pray that the eyes of your heart will continually, that your vision will get clearer and clearer. Some of you got 2,700 vision right now. And I'm, I'm praying that, that that vision is gonna get clearer and clearer and clearer so you can actually read more than the E on the chart that you can start understanding the fine print 
of the miracle that happened to you when you join your life with Jesus. And you're not guessing at anything because of your pride like we all do when we're looking at that chart, but you're actually confident that you are reading the description of you based on what God has said about you. So he said, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And then he comes down and says, and this is why. This is verse 18. In order that you may know three things about you. Number one, the hope to which God has called you. It's a different message for a different day. But do you know that God's called you up to something? Do you see that God has raised you up to something? You're not just a regular person rolling around in life with a relationship with Jesus. But in Christ, God has called you up to an extraordinary hope in life. An extraordinary hope in life. That's what Paul prayed. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened so that you could see the hope to which God has called you. And yeah, the, the past may be a wash. It may be worse than a wash. The past may be a wipeout, but God sees you in the future. He sees his purpose. He sees his plan. He knows his power, and he knows what he can and will do in your life. And God... God is saying, I want you to see that today. So heaven's praying that you'll see that today, that you'll see the hope that he's called you to. He said, secondly, I'm praying that you'll see the riches of his inheritance in the saints. And that's a whole nother couple of messages because it sounds like it's what we get as saints in our inheritance with God, but it actually more clearly probably means it's what God gets in his inheritance in you and in me. In other words, he doesn't have a 401k he's waiting to cash into. He doesn't have a retirement plan that he's waiting to unpack. He has got us coming at the end of the deal. Hello? Do you know what his prize is in heaven? The church. We are the inheritance of God in forever. That's why he's working so hard by the power of the Holy Spirit and his living word through Christ in us to make us a beautiful bride for him forever to the praise of the glory of his grace. And he said, the third thing I want you to see is, I want you to see number three, verse 19, his incomparably great power for us who believe. In other words, God is saying, I want your eyes to open to understand that you have at your disposal extraordinary God power. You know, there's three kinds of power in life. There's no power. You met those people. I can't, I can't do it. I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm sorry, I can't do it. I don't know. I'm not going to be able to do that. No, I can, oh, I can never do that. Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, there's no power. You know any no power people? There's self-power people. You know any of them? They wake up in the morning and go, this is going to be a great day. <laughs> Woo, here we go. All right, what are we going to do today? Let's go, let's go run 100 miles with a washing machine on our back, get things started, you know? And they just like have this kind of like, I'm going to do it. I don't know what it is or how hard it is. You watch me go, I've got what it takes to do it. And that's impressive. I mean, we always knock those people. That's impressive. But then there's a third kind of power in life, and it's supernatural power. It's God power. It's the difference between, I think, the two of these people, uh, this me power guy. I can go up 70 floors of the stairs, and I can do it. 
But you can also push the button and get in the elevator and feel the whoosh and go, <laughs> and then the bell rings and the doors open and you step out on the 76th floor and you go, wow, that was impressive. And meanwhile, a dude comes busting the door. I did it! You're like, yeah, I did it too. Uh, it's amazing. We're all here. But there was another way to get here. There was a, there was a supernatural way to get here. And God is saying, I certainly don't want you to live with no power. Please don't be one of those people. Please don't walk through life going, oh, yeah. Does not, does not look like Jesus got coupled into that equation. And it does not do to the praise of the glory of his grace. It just makes him look lame. And, and don't try to become chosen, an heir, holy, and alive and able in your own power, because even if you are that, you know, triumphant sort, you're still not going to be able to accomplish the kinds of things God's hoping for in your life. And so he's saying there's a, there's a third option, and the option is to say in every situation, God, I want to link in to your power. If we had time and you wanted to, we could take the Greek of this passage, the original language, and sort of unfold it, because it's amazing. If you look at these phrases in verse 19, it says, I want you to know his incomparably great power for us who believe. That's one word for power. There's a lot of different words for power. That's one word for power. Then it says that power, that's a different word for power in the original language, is like the working of his mighty strength. That's another word for power in the original language. We see exerted, that's another word for power in the original language. So he's saying, hey, we used all the words for power we could find in the Greek language to cram in to 15 words to let you know every kind of power you could possibly ever need for anything in life is at your disposal in Christ Jesus. It's incomparably great power. Check it out. For us, or some translations say, towards us who believe. So it's positional power. It's not performance-oriented power. That's not how we got chosen by performance. We got chosen by position. We didn't become heirs by performance. We became heirs by position in Christ. We didn't become holy by our performance. Amen? Hello? Can we just amen that? We didn't become holy because of our performance. We became holy because of our position in Christ. We didn't become alive because of our performance. We became alive because of our position. And we don't become powerful because of our performance. We become powerful because of our position. And in that position in Christ, we have proximity to every kind of power you could describe every situation there is. So a couple of applications and then we'll close. Application number one, that when we tap in to this idea that we are able, we understand that our deficits in fact are our greatest strengths. We understand our deficits are our greatest strengths. If you have your scripture, turn over a few pages, if you will, to 2 Corinthians. Just go to the left a few pages. In 2 Corinthians 12, the writer of all this text we're reading in Ephesians talks about his own life. And he talks about how in life there's always going to be hardship, hard times. There's always going to be something about us that we feel like we need to overcome. And Paul describes that this way in verse 7. It says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given to me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Does everybody know who that is in your life right away? Somebody come to mind, you're like, okay, I know who that is right away. 
It was just a joke. <laughs> Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Anybody there? Like there's been a hardship, a difficulty, a, a, some sort of a deficit, and you've thought, God, please get rid of the deficit, get rid of the hardship, take away the difficulty, take away the weakness, if you will, in my life. Three times I've asked God, and you might say, man, I've asked him 3,033 times to take away the hardship. But he said to me, God said to me, in fact, Christ said this to him. It's in red outside the gospels. You gotta love that. So Jesus is not just limited to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Here he now is speaking right in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, what normally happens is when we get a deficit, we, we make a label. I can't do that. And here's why I can't do that, because this is hard. So there's my label for today or for this month or for my life. And, and Paul is hearing Jesus say, no, no, no. When you see a weakness or a deficit, that's not when you make the label. Well, make the label. Make, just make label that you are able because you can't have a label without Abel. I know it's spelled different, but if you're me, you don't care because you don't know how to spell it anyway. Can I tell you in the spirit of full disclosure that they make one of these ahead of time and put it up here just in case I misspell the word? And in case that one doesn't work, they give me one to put in my pocket ahead of time in case I misspell the word. Can I tell you that I sent these notes in two, two weekends ago and I was as proud as you've ever been. If you'd been at my house when I typed out these notes, you'd thought, you thought I was just winning the spelling contest of the world. I typed on the top up here, label maker, all caps with the space, A-B-E-L, and sent them off like I'm ready, let's roll. Kind person on our production team sent them back, dear Louie. Abel is spelled A-B-L-E. You might want to adjust that before you get the label maker in your hand. But you understand, it's one of my weaknesses. <laughs> but you understand that you can't have a label without Abel. You can't be chosen without the resurrection power of Jesus. You can't be alive without the resurrection. You can't be holy without the resurrection power of Jesus. And so when you, when you get ready to get the label maker and go, I can't do this because what? I don't talk good because of my past, because of my failure, because of what happened to me, my circumstance, blah, blah, blah. And you get ready to say, you know, well, because I'm tired, because it's hard, because it's difficult. So I'm just gonna make that label and spit that thing out and put it on. And when somebody says, how you doing? I'm going, oh man, yeah, you're not doing real great because I'm blah, 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 blah. I really am not sure I can do this. And God is trying to give us a sense today that, you don't make that label too soon because the deficits in our lives actually are the strengths of our lives because it's in those moments that his grace is sufficient for us. You watch it play out in Paul's life and I don't think anybody's gonna make this your life verse, but check out Paul. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. You ever done that? Ever texted somebody and said, I don't feel good today, but isn't that awesome? <laughs> Ever texted somebody and said, this is really hard, but wow, that's cool. No, no one does that. No one boasts all the more in their weaknesses and therefore they miss out on the backside so that Christ's power may rest on me. 
That's why, for Christ's sake, anybody have this embroidered on a pillow in the house? I doubt it. That's why, verse 10, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, I delight in insults, I delight in hardships, I delight in persecutions, in difficulties, I delight in those. Does anybody have that on the refrigerator right now? I'll tell you what, our family, we delight in difficulties. That's our life first. No one has that. But why would you say that? Why would he say that? For this reason, for when I am weak, then I am strong. So he says, for Christ's sake, I delight in the hardship. He did not say, I woke up today and prayed for hardship, but hardship does come into our lives without us asking for it. And he said, and when it came, I said, okay, I got hardship, but you know what, for Christ's sake, not for my sake, but for Christ's sake, I delight in this hardship today. I'll tell you why, because I'm about to be strong for one thing, because I'm weak in this hardship, but I have access to divine power today, and I'm gonna choose that label and not the I can't label. I'm gonna choose the able label, and I'm gonna say, God Almighty, I can't breathe right now, but if you'll give me a breath, I will, I will live this life on purpose for you. And then you will see God's power. You will see God's power. And then you'll be able to say, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Now, that, you know, this is one of the five misquoted verses in the entire Bible. I mean, number one is Second Hesitations 9, 17. Uh, <laughs> God helps those who help themselves. First, number one misquoted scripture in all of the Bible. But in the top five misquoted scriptures in the Bible would be this verse right here. Because everybody says about this verse, when I am weak, then he is strong. And that's not what it says. It says, no, when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. Because when I'm weak is when I choose in that moment to depend on a power supply different than me, bigger than me, better than me. And in that moment, I tap into more than running up 70 flights of stairs. I tap into an elevator of something that I know is better than and bigger than myself. And in that moment, I'm like, come on, I'm strong right now. I am weak. Yes, I am weak. I'm telling you, I'm weak. But when I'm weak, man, that's when I'm strong. Because I understand that my deficit actually is a strength because it enacts his grace in the midst of my weakness. I tell you, you know, if you're walking through struggle and you're, you're, you're surviving and thriving, you're going to get asked how you're doing that. If you're up on the, the beach in Nice, France, and you, you got the front row chairs, let's just say we've all been there, I've never been, but let's just say we had, maybe it's not even nice, I don't know, pick a beach you'd like to go to, and you got the front row chairs, everybody's got a refreshing drink, and it's 76 degrees, and clear sky, and there's your kind of music playing, and people are coming around with you know little snacks here and there all day long, no one's gonna walk up to you on that beach and go, how do you do it? How are you doing it? But if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you still have Jesus, get ready for a lot of questions. And Paul knew this. And he said, so the day's full of persecution. Okay, it's gonna be a good day. Because I've been trying to share with this guy about Jesus and he's completely disinterested. But man, when he sees what's about to happen today, when you give me strength that I don't have to face that, he's going to say, how'd you do that? And I'm going to say, I'll tell you how. You know, this Jesus I've been talking about, that's how I did it. It's to the praise of his glorious grace. 
And in, in the middle of that second thing really quickly, we, we, we start to focus not on our inability, but to focus on his ability. That's what Paul said a few verses later, Ephesians 3. He said, you know, as you're thinking about the power of all these things happening in your life, he says, think about this, verse 20. This is a little worship moment in the middle of Ephesians. He says, now to him, can you read this with me? Who is able. And, and our lives are best lived when we don't stop the equation with our unable, but that when we move forward and lift our eyes up to God's able. We, we don't fake the world out because no one's ever done that, honestly. We don't put on a front spiritually. We just say to the world, I can't do this. I'm telling you, I can't do this. But I also know this. I know that he is able. Now to the one who is able to do what? To just help me get through? No, to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. That's all connected over here to chapter one with four different words of power available to you and me. He says he's able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to what? His, say it, power. What power? The power that is at work within us. And it's not just any kind of power. It's Easter power, he said. He said, it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So we didn't just celebrate Easter because that got Jesus out of the grave. We got joined to Easter so that we can walk with an extraordinary source of power in our life. And then just lastly, I'll close and say this last one, that the power, and this is beautiful, is connected to our purpose. So you can't go, I know sometimes we want to, and say, so, ooh, I like that one, and we just like take that one up. So there's, there's incomparably great power for us who believe. Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna take that verse over here into my world, and in my world, I'm gonna say, man, I got incomparably great power today to do everything I wanna do in the world today. You cannot separate the power of God from the purpose of God. And God didn't give us immeasurably great power so we could go do everything we want to do in life. He gave us immeasurably great power so we could do everything that he's called us to do in life. And so you keep these linked together, and that's when we're going to start experiencing what we've talked about today. And the reason... In, in fact, that a lot of times we haven't experienced that kind of power is because we tried to excise it from the text and take it over here to do what we wanted to do in our life. And the power of God isn't a la carte. The power of God comes with a set menu and to live out chosen, to live out heir, to live out holy, to live out alive, and to live out everything else he said is true about us. He says, I will always give you the power to fulfill the assignment and the purpose that I've put you on earth to do. You know, people ask us a lot, and I'm definitely not holding myself up as an example, so don't think that. I've gotten it right, and I've gotten it wrong. We've done it good, and we've done it not so great. But I am a long way down the road in the journey, and people say this to, to Shelly and me all the time. They're like, I, we, we met someone this weekend that we didn't know well or at all, actually, and they said, I just don't know how you do it. I just know how you do it. I mean, you were like preaching over here and then you were preaching over there and then you were preaching over here. I just don't know how you do it. And, you know, I don't know if that's a question or not. 
but then you get the other, you know, the, the iterations of that, like, man, it makes me tired just watching y'all's life. And I'm like, unfollow us. <laughs> I would suggest unfollowing us immediately because I'm only posting half the places we go. As a, you know, because I already know. Makes me tired, man. I don't know how, I, watching your life makes me tired. So it's really not about, you know, how tired you are about watching me. You should be tired because of what God gave you to do. You should be tired about your assignment, not my assignment. Because I like my assignment. <laughs> I really do like my assignment. Um, and I, I don't mean that. I didn't mean that. That kind of sounded like we were kind of getting somewhere. I, I, maybe I, I was a little frustrated. But um, <laughs> when I was a freshman in college at Georgia State University, I came home one night from a frat party. That's no knocks on frat parties. But that night for me was a crossroads. And it was either you're going to go this way because they weren't having a lot of Bible studies and they weren't thinking about a lot of global vision. He said, are you going to go that way or are you going to go my way, Louie? You're going to decide tonight, 2 a.m. And I got down on my knees in the apartment that we lived in in Smyrna, Georgia. And I said, Jesus, I'm going to go your way. And in a few weeks, that process opened up and God spoke over my life. You're going to be a spokesman for me in this generation. You are going to tell the world about me in your generation. You are gonna proclaim this truth in your generation. I was 18 years old. I had no idea what that meant for my life at 18. I just know that that night I said, I accept that assignment for my life. I accept that assignment and that's my assignment. It's not better than anybody else's. It's just different than some people's. You have an assignment. Every one of us has an assignment. Every one of us is on earth with an assignment. Now, our purpose is all the same. Our purpose is that we live to the praise of his glorious grace. That's the same purpose for you and for me, whether you have a different assignment or my assignment. But my assignment is to proclaim this word of God in my generation, to my generation. That's what God put me on earth to do. And guess what? I'm gonna do it until I can't do it anymore. I'm not thinking about retiring. I'm not thinking about going and living on a lake. I'm not thinking about going and walking on some sandy beach and saying, well, that was a great run. I'm gonna do that until I can't do that anymore. And do you know how we do it? Can I just answer that today? How do you do it? How do you do that? We do that because that is what God has given us as an assignment to do. And when you are living in your assignment, guess what? You get the power of God to do everything that God has called you to do. And so I'll just tell you straight up, you know, you come find me on a Monday, it's mush in between here and, and I, I look like a marshmallow and I move slow. I can rally for lunch, but that's gonna be about it for the daylight hours for me on a Monday. Me and London are upside down on the bed, staring at the ceiling in somewhat of a coma. You can't do this three times on a Sunday and not completely shut it down on a Monday and rest. And you can't do this and not get away in times and shut it down and rest. And we do a lot of that too. But I'll tell you how we do it. We do it by the four kinds of power that are available to us. The same power that raised Jesus back to life again, that power is the power that empowers every one of us to fulfill the assignment God put us on earth to do. 
and no hardship, no persecution, no insult, no weakness, no deficit can stop us from doing what God has put us on the planet to do. And so I just wanna, I'll just turn the tables a little bit today. Who's asking you how you do it? Who's asking you? Who's stopping you in the store and saying, man, I don't know how you do it. I'm watching you with your family and, and with your business and with this and with that and with this hardship or this success. I'm watching you and you guys have purpose. You have life. You seem like you, you, you've got something going on. How are you doing it? Who's asking you that? Because every one of us has got a new label on our lives and that label is able. We are able. So I don't know if it's... Uh, if it's being a mom today, I just want to tell you, you're able to be the mom you want to be by the power of the same God who raised Jesus from the dead. You're able today to be the father you want to be by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. You are able to change the direction of your life today by the power that raised Jesus from the dead. You are able to have a different disposition about life. No, you are not stuck with it's just the way I am. Not anymore because Christ came into the story and he changed everything and you're able to have a different disposition in your life. You are able to break free from things that the enemy has convinced you of that you will never break free from and you are able to do that because immeasurably great power has been made available to you. You're not an I can't. In Christ, you are completely an I can. Not I, but because of the grace of Christ, I am able to live in life with a mouth full of the reflection of power from above, not the reflection of the lack of power below. 